0: Welcome to the L&T Chat Show. And today my guest is Curie Scott. Uh, Kiri, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Hi, lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, I um spotted uh, the about your I spotted your podcast and I thought, oh, I have something that might help. So um I am freelance now after about 18 years in higher education. Um, and what I'm doing at the minute is consultancy um and coaching with creative approaches and my main uh focus is using drawing to think to process to work out complexity
0: and and when you were teaching what what kind of subject areas was that
1: um uh, uh, uh a big answer to your short question which (laughs) was um, I initially trained as a medical doctor so um, I was teaching in the clinical setting and I really enjoyed it so that's with medical students and that meant that I though I started medicine I ended up most of my career is in higher education so the first set of people if you like that I was teaching was health Professional students, all sorts of different health professionals, um, undergrad, postgrad. So I did that for 15 years. Um, so the majority of my story will be about that. I then, because I'm fascinated in how um, people, especially adults, learn, I carried on with education as a, as a main thing for my master's. And my PhD was interdisciplinary. And that resulted in me um, having a job. L- uh, leading and education masters. So therefore um, I was teaching, if you like, uh, postgrad masters level. Um, and it was generally a whole raft of disciplines. Um, and then the biggest proportion were new new lecturers. So it was across accountancy. So it was basically the PG cert in teaching. That's right. Yeah. right. And so that was for the last three years. And now um, I'm doing various things. One of them is I've just finished teaching students on business and organisation about values and behaviour. So that's, again, okay. masters level and medical so, students as well. So just yeah. just
0: to double check, then you, you you qualified as a doctor.
1: That's right. And you have a
0: PhD. That's so right. You're, you're actually Dr. Doctor, doctor. I am. Um, and, and if anyone's old enough, they'll remember the Thompson <laughs> thing in that. Um OK, sorry, uh, I digress. Um, And you say you're doing consultancy at the moment. So is that is that largely with universities or do you go out into sort of businesses?
1: Yeah, fabulous. Thank you. Um, Probably because of my um, past experiences at the minute, I'm setting it mostly within the health sector and within the education sector. So to give you some examples, I'm coaching uh, researchers um, and I'm teaching with Rofi Park I'm an associate there but I'm also an associate with um, a company called Coaching for Careers and they work across education education learning and development is probably the better synopsis so I am working with some organizations um, I'd also do private coaching and then um I've got lots of writing projects on as well at the moment so that's that's wonderful. So yeah, it's I am available across settings, but probably um, I haven't quite got into, if you like the the corporate uh, market side of it, but that would be a new area for me and I'm looking forward to that.
0: Okay, um, so from my limited knowledge of medical training, my um uh, one of my best friends, um, his uh, son qualified as a uh, a doctor. A couple of years ago now, um, and uh, I, I sort of I get the impression that it's it's fairly. Um, I'm, I'm trying to a uh, traditional traditional would be the best word to use, um, in terms of lectures, seminars, practicals, um, the the clinical side. Um, so I, I'm guessing that sort of that's how you started out,
1: and yes, that there yes. must
0: have been a point at which for some reason you suddenly thought or you gradually thought maybe uh this maybe i should be using drawing as part of this this learning process can you just talk us through that
1: yeah thank you and and you're absolutely right my training was um uh, a traditional training so that is uh, uh three years kind of studious studying um without seeing patients and then two years with patients so that's the clinical bit um, I also had the opportunity, like many people do, to complete a degree in a year. So I've got a pharmacology degree as well. And again, that was traditional, but that was a different science tradition in that it was in a laboratory um, doing experiments. So <clears throat> I came into higher education um predominantly as a lecturer for nurses within the subspeciality adult nurses, which I always find that phrase funny, but anyway, it was nurses who people training who were going to work with adults rather than with children uh, or learning disabilities etc so that that was the area and what I found um, in teaching anatomy physiology and pathophysiology so um, the structure and the function of organs and then what happens when they go wrong these Mm. are heavily science-based and what I was finding was that I was having students who would almost I don't know how to uh, when they came into those classes of science, they'd almost um, checked out in that they were like, I've never had a science qualification. I can't do this. Uh, right. um, and so they were despondent about uh, doing an exam. They were despondent about learning all the stuff. Um, all of them, pretty much without exception, could see the point. So they, they had the, oh, I get I get why we do this. And so I think the drawing side of things was incidental. It was simply from my um, teacher's heart of how do I communicate? How can I get them to engage with this? Um, And drawing was uh, amongst other things. So we would play games or we would watch a film or we would watch animations or we would act out things or, you know, so it would be a, a more embodied approach to learning Um, One of those aspects was drawing. Um, So and I'm sure. So when I say to people, I use drawing, they go, oh, I can't draw. But actually, if I say to them, well, when you are describing something to your students, say in higher education, have you ever kind of mapped it out on the have you mapped it out in boxes or in triangles or or drawn it out? And these are conceptual things. And quite often people have. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I draw a flow diagram. Or um, so for me, um, a simple example would be saying that I was teaching about Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And I would do that by on the board um, revising the recall of the digestive tract and getting us okay. all on the same page with that. And then using that visual to sort of place on top or where this is what ulster colitis does. So basically, um, I would call that explanatory drawing. Um, and I, I do, do suspect people do that. I don't think that's so unusual, but that was that was really it for drawing. Um, I so so I was doing that anyway. And I found I was also (laughs) waving my arms a lot, which obviously you can't (laughs) see. But, um, you know, if I was talking about a uterus, I would become the uterus. I would say, well, these are the... Because they share the same words, fimbri or fingers. So I would use my body. And then I recorded myself, I think, for a PG-cert session. And I apologised to the students later. And I said, I'm so sorry. I just... I." I seem to wave my body a lot, you know, it must be super distracting. As I went around the group, which was a big group, people kind of whispered or, or you know, pulled me aside, students, and said, please don't stop doing these big gestures. Please don't stop because I can see what it is. Mm-hmm. And I have dyslexia. And so what I found anecdotally was that students with dyslexia were really finding it beneficial to draw. And for me to draw with my body, if you like, or to use big gestures. And so that's when I thought, oh, there's something really valuable here. Um, um, And so I pursued those ideas in my master's and then got a scholarship, um, which was pitched at Drawing, actually, from University of Brighton. So uh, that was about using drawing as a pedagogical tool. So as people would say, you know, like this was made for you.
0: Uh
1: That's why I focused on the drawing.
0: So, so the initial point was essentially you drawing things, and yes. then uh, you asked the students to draw things. Would would that have just been you know a piece of paper and a pencil? Or yes. Do you find that you're having or not having to, but you may be asking them to either work in different media, or you're giving them a base drawing and asking them to add to it, or yeah, you know, how how would that work from a that's super. Idea? That's
1: real Thank you for that question. So sometimes. um, Uh, Sometimes it might be like I was saying with the I I drew the digestive tract, they would draw along and they would annotate it, make their own notes. So that was individual. Uh, Bearing in mind, this is all prior to going online. So slightly different things. Um, Or I might give them a baseline to start with. So that would be a physical handout that they added to. An example there would be when we talked about. the way drugs work in parkinson's and if you you have to go right down to the neurotransmitter so to the nerve level so we draw nerves and then i'd get them to map out where things would happen so that one i gave them a base drawing Um, other drawings again that i think would be familiar to people are mind maps so there was another group who i just said to them okay you're in you know year two we're going to think about lung cancer and you're going to just brainstorm in your groups, you're going to make a concept map or a mind map. And they were insistent. They knew nothing. that I was the teacher and they couldn't do mm-hmm. it. Um, but they'd already had clinical experience. They already have lung cancer is one of the top cancers. So people have uh, personalized experiences of the parents or their grandparents. And I just left them to it, but came in and sort of said, well, uh, if you like i gave them another branch how might it be diagnosed how might and it mm. doesn't matter if you don't know and and so that one they developed a mind map and shared it uh, in small groups and shared it with one another filled in the gaps so for example they might know you might put a camera down but not know what it's called and then between them they could right. flesh it out so that one was more student led or me facilitated i did find it was much slower as a process but I did find that they said at the end that they were proud of themselves, that they didn't know how much they knew. And I think that for a teacher is really affirming because it builds on knowledge um, and shows them what they did know and gets yeah. them talking together. So, yeah, that's another technique. I have to say, since since the Ph.D., I will use different types of drawing. So all I've done at the minute is left us with very um, information risk, uh, rich uh, diagrammatic types of drawings, but that, yeah. that's
0: what I would do. Um. So, so what, what was the focus of the the PhD, or you know, if if you had to highlight the bullet points of yeah. what I presume was a very long period and very intense period of your life? <laughs> but I'm I'm going to ask you to maybe summarise it in a couple of minutes. Absolutely. Um, what, what what was the focus <laughs> of it, or what what were the main things that kind of came out of that?
1: Thank you. Um, So the main thing that with PhDs was about looking at um, developing new knowledge. So it was very much looking at what drawing, what was out there already about drawing um, and what area would I like to tackle. So there is actually quite a lot out there um, about representational drawing. So something like life drawing within health professions. And I I was quite surprised. and what what I was more intrigued by. So by this time I had moved um, uh, into other subject areas, and I was finding we were using uh, drawing for uh, looking at professional values, drawing for ethical decision making, drawing on euthanasia. So these were more exploratory drawings, and it was that which interested me. So. Um, what I ended up doing is I developed four workshops so one to four and I invited health professional students from across different professions to come and people over 60 and what we did is we um they did some drawings which I'll call intuitive drawings and I can flesh out so these were much more much much more like doodling drawings where you're just making marks and seeing what evolves um but they did that to think about their own future aging. So if I reframe that, it's saying to to myself, Curie, we are going to use this sort of process of drawing to navigate and think about and explore um, uh, your perception of your own older age. Now that that was different, so that was niche. Um, So we were, instead of looking at, if you like, death, um, there's lots of research on death. Uh, Instead of looking at that, we were looking at perceptions of ageing, but through drawing. So what people did, I had a small group of 10 people. I ran two groups, separate groups. Um, People came for three hours every week, and we engaged with these drawings. They produced the drawings, Um, We practiced with lots of different materials. It was a lot of fun. And then each person, after each prompt, each person showed their drawing, if you like, to the group, told them what understandings they'd got, what what have they gleaned from it and what have they not. Other people could comment. And then I asked everybody to take their own drawings and put them up somewhere Mm -hmm. and reflect on them and then send me emails or, uh, you know, Dropbox posts about what was coming up, what was emerging for them. Um, and then, so it was four weeks, same pattern for four weeks. Um, the other thing which which I tend to forget to mention was that in this discussion, anybody else could jo- share their perspective, which is what happened, they'd say, oh, well, those, that, those two lines look like a river and those two hearts look like they are alongside the river. And so I said, anybody can share their perspectives, but what it actually is, is still owned by the individual. Mm. It's up to them to change or take on or not. take. It didn't really matter. So um, and then we finished that in a, in a month's time. Um, and then two months after that, the group came back together to talk about the difference, um, if any, that the project had had. So that gives you the frame of the, the structure of it. Um and then I can go into
0: other details if that's what well, you, you mentioned the use of different materials. So I'm, I'm just trying to get in my head whether this mm-hmm. is students with a white piece of paper and a, and a pencil Perfect. or, yeah. you know, because um, drawing is something that uh, lots of my students have to do, but part, partly because um, a lot of what I teach is actually quite visual in nature. Yep. Um, yeah. And uh, often they'll have a starting point. So it won't just be a blank piece of paper. Uh, but right. I also have a, a a box that's just full of uh, different coloured um, felt tips, so that uh, yes. if for some reason they you know a uh, colour is important and that they can uh, they can work in that way. Um, so I I don't you know what what is that the process that you would use?
1: So um, in this process, it was different materials for um, different things. Yep. So for um, for the PhD, um, my first year of the PhD, I spent a lot of time kind of invested in learning how to draw um, or learning different drawing techniques um, in terms of materials. When we came to the workshops, um, there was a range of materials, but because a lot of it might have been new to people, we had essentially we had playtime. So I put in different activities so people could get a feel of it. So. Um, interesting that you say you use pencils because certainly for me with the pilot I did some pilots beforehand to try out materials and I found that people were hesitant with a pencil in their hand they it's almost like they had to It was like what do I what do I do with this what Mm. how do I and and there was a sort of panic that happened with pencils that didn't happen when I gave people felt tip pens and didn't happen with oil pastels or rather the panic was curiosity with something mm. that was oil pastels um so the types of materials that we used were uh, oil pastels uh, watercolor pencils so those are the ones where you draw and then you add water to them yeah um, white paint I think we might have had some charcoal um and the pieces of paper were um if you've been in a uh, he flip chart size pieces of paper, but right. I did get higher quality so that it could hold the um, the marks better and it okay. could hold the weight of paint. So I had different types: so cartridge paper and then watercolor paper. So, but it was bigger than normal. Um, uh, oh, and the other the other activity was a collage. So we had magazine materials or right. magazines. And that was on a slightly smaller bit of paper. But actually the pilots were good because I experimented with different sizes and materials to see what worked and what didn't. So, yeah. yeah so the one thing I didn't have, uh, I didn't use was graphite pencils. But I gave everybody a drawing pack and we yeah. had some pencils in there. The other thing that we didn't use was a rubber. I, I took the rubber out of everything because the <laughs> main thing with drawing is people are, Have a hang up about creating the right drawing, and so you end up being in editing mode of of rubbing things out. And so uh, we worked in biros as well, so that actually they just had to make the marks and work with what
0: there was. Okay. Um, Now, in terms of describing a a practical activity, you mentioned earlier um, Mm -hmm. that you you taught non medical people as well, Um, and I think one of the groups you mentioned was accountants. Am I right in saying that yes that's um, right and so I, obviously I, I work in a business school so that covers a, a number of disciplines and although mine specifically is marketing uh, we spend quite a lot of time with uh, management lecturers uh, accounting and finance people economics people and so on so could, could you very briefly describe that particular context you know i i know i know it, it might be that you're teaching teachers to teach but even that's so right. you know yeah. in, a, in a different disciplinary environment it'd be interesting to see how they responded to it and how they saw it's because especially the, the, the thing that immediately struck me is, of course, accountants might be very much number focused and that's mm-hmm. very different then to kind of <laughs> a, a visual thing.
1: Yeah, so I think um, so thinking about um, so one type of drawing was explanatory. So where uh, perhaps you might have a diagram for your particular uh, discipline in a book, essentially it's drawing it out or building it up. Um, so that might be quite a familiar entity. Another one is flowcharts. Flowcharts Flow charts are super. This is um, this is not my activity, but this is one that you would start with, which is draw me out all the steps or draw or write out all the steps of making toast. And you can imagine in any discipline there is a making of, there is a creation of accounts or a cre- yeah, whatever you're doing. Um, and that is more of a process drawing so once you but what it does do is it it helps often quite lighthearted and uh, but it also helps students navigate that some of the processes that they do intuitively they might have to flesh out for somebody else yeah if that makes sense so it helps them see the different uh, steps in a process, and again in business or management, that's quite helpful um, in terms of people, processes, and products. Yeah. Um, so.
0: Well, that, that's, that's actually quite quite similar to a, an activity that I do with my students, which is to try and get them to think about the process that's involved in assessment. Um, so I get them to write an assessment brief and a grading criteria, um, and then they swap these around between groups, and and each group then goes through the other groups. Um, brief and criteria and that's actually uh, to make a jam sandwich so I provide them with some bread uh, some jam and some spread um, <laughs> and, and, and that's quite interesting as well because yeah it, it, them having to think inside the process rather than it being outside so rather than assessment being something which is inflicted on students you know that there is a greater sense of ah, this is something I participate in and therefore you know I am a participant and I can you know we we can discuss this amongst each other's or or highlight things to the lecturer because I also think it's quite important I mean especially since when I was doing this it was with first years and getting them to understand that it's okay to say I'm not sure what you mean by this or this isn't clear or you know does this mean x um mm-hmm. rather than you know just having to sit there and go well i don't understand it so i'll just you know i'll do what i think is required and, and carry on yes. um so yeah you mean, that. Did you go beyond that i mean did you have a accountancy or any of your other sort of non-medical students come back to you and say oh I, you know i've used this in this particular context or i found this worked really well yeah
1: so i think different as you know with the PG certain education it's very much here's your idea go play with it and see what happens um uh another another way uh, that I'd already mentioned was the the mind mapping concept mapping so that people have got ideas and actually that's really useful for revision in any subject just gathering a lot of information into a small area um mm. and and um students students of the students students of the pg Cert students were like oh i get it so some um i know that some took it on in using a mind using a concept map or a mind map in a presentation like Prezi, where you Mm -hmm. can blob them out and then each bubble expands as you go on in the lecture and what they said was or what i heard was that that was really helpful because Students told them it was really helpful because they got a feel of okay, we're going to go through five areas, and and then it it opens up and it's something that they can click in and write their notes, etc. So that was that was really good. Um, and another example is timelines. Um, so I've probably used this much more with um, a bit like assessments, really, or getting people ready. You know, how have you dealt with challenges or um, health and well-being? Um, so. Certainly now having having students map out their learning journey on a line with the ups and downs, and then thinking about their first three years of university and what they might need to help them out um, okay. is a really good. Ref- uh, it's not quite a reflect. Well, it is. It's reflecting back and projecting yeah. forwards. Um, that's that's not. That's obviously not discipline specific. It's much more about the pastoral or the study skills side of things yeah, yeah. but that's, um, a lot of people are take a lot of us are taking those on without knowing how to how to do
0: that really yeah i've, I've, I've seen a a couple of times recently in, in presentations from other people uh that idea of of getting students to visualize what the whole journey will be yes and, yes. and kind of uh, uh, and then plot almost bits where they need to do stuff because uh again I, I don't know what it's like for people in other disciplines but certainly in my experience working with with business students they can be a little bit uh kind of very short term in in their thinking and therefore don't necessarily they don't necessarily see the connections between things but they also don't necessarily make the most of their time because they're, they're not sort of thinking ahead in terms of of what they want to do um so what's what's next then or if if you were giving advice to somebody who was um, interested in in using this within their own teaching what kinds of things would you advise mm-hmm.
1: Um well, the big thing we're drawing is have a go. have a go yourself and I would say it's not it it's a tool in your toolbox um but as you learn about it, you'll learn how to use it. so the first thing is practice it out yourself um and and be ready for your students to be resistant, whoever they are because. Generally, um, this is a kind of across the world. Uh, generally, our drawing stops at the age of about 10. So mm. people tell you that they can't draw, their, chi- their drawings are childish because they haven't. Uh, it would Their skill set with drawing would have stopped at mm-hmm. the time they stopped, like any skill. You know, if you're playing the violin, can't play it, but have you done it? Yeah. So, so taking people through, well, it's a skill that you haven't developed. Of course, you won't do it. And starting with really small um, drawings, so you'll have noticed that I stay away from uh, photorealistic drawings. Um, There's a huge value to them, but I I haven't been, uh, again, PhD-wise, I was doing something else, something new with that. So... Check out which types of drawings. So the ones we've talked about are very schematic or diagrammatic and they are really helpful. When students can see the point, that's really helpful. Um, another one that we haven't mentioned is, which I'm doing quite a lot of um, much more for the health and well-being, is drawing for distraction, drawing to lower stress. So yeah. just doodling, let your students doodle as in give them permission. Just say, do you know what? Uh, you might find you think better or take notes better in draw well doodling please doodle in my lesson and i know that mm. might sound really tricky but for some students they can focus better and this research tells us this that actually it takes off off the either boredom or kind of oh having to concentrate on a yeah, tricky yeah. subject just takes the edge off that so that they can focus
0: okay well that was all marvelous thank you very much indeed um, I'm sure it, uh, it will, uh, you know, provide a bit of food for thought for people in that, I mean, again, especially in my discipline, it tends to be very uh, text-based and text-focused. And one of the things that I've uh, been trying for many, many years is to um, to make the whole thing more visual because um, I would consider myself a, a visual learner. And as you say, if you've got students with um, any kind of uh, difficulty a la wow. uh, dyslexia, um, then it might be sort of more beneficial to them to to see things in a a, a more visual way. Um, uh, you know, uh, well done with everything that you've done so far and Thank and you it, you. you've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up as well.
1: Yeah. Can I do two plugs for, for items that means. you'll have a description for? Yep. The first one was that I was commissioned to um, write a book, and there's a series called the Arts for Health, and this is by Emerald Publishing. So there's other things like poetry or film making, or there's all sorts of things, wonderful things. Um, my one was on drawing. Now that's not learning and teaching focused, but because I also use coaching, it, it is about developing through drawing in different spheres. So that's about drawing for health and wellbeing, um, and that perhaps will interest people that are researchers because it's a researchers research based book. So it's full of research with some practical applications. Um, and the second thing is a shorter piece, which I've written for the Creative HE um, uh, network. And so I'll right. put in a link for that. And that's about learning and teaching um, in, in HE and the use of drawing within that. So that will hopefully be helpful.
0: OK, well, that's marvellous. Uh, Curie, Wonderful. thank you so much for your time today.
1: That was lovely. Thank you so much.
0: Cheers. Thank you.